Ladies and gentlemen, my listening faithful, welcome back to another episode of the Keystone Chronicles podcast. With us this week, I feel that we have one hell of an episode. Everything from great audio quality to just a great conversation. In this podcast, we will be joined by Jed, Brian, and Nate of Cluck Custom Calls. And guys, I can't tell you how excited I am to bring you this episode. I had an absolute blast with these guys at the Cluck Custom Calls workshop. And in this episode, we're able to talk a good bit about turkeys, a couple great stories, getting to know the guys, and lastly, but not least, Cluck Custom Calls as a whole, and really the mission that they are going for over there. I really can't stress to you enough how much you should take some time and check out their website and see what they are all about. The guys are very knowledgeable and more than willing to help you get that bird you've been chasing. If you guys have any questions, feel free to reach out to them at any social media platform and and check out their website at cluckcustomcalls.com. Also, if you have anything for me, as always, don't be afraid to reach out. Greatly appreciate all the support and love. Remember to go over, subscribe, comment, and like on Apple Podcast and Spotify apps. I really hope you guys enjoy this episode as much as we did. Thank you, and God bless. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Keystone Chronicles podcast. This week, I am joined with Cluck Custom Calls. I got three dudes here that are going to drop a lot of good knowledge on us here and, and promote what they're doing here at Cluck. So... We're all sitting down together. This is really exciting because uh, I always talk about how good the audio quality is sitting down with people. And I'm here in the shop, and we're gonna we're gonna do a little turkey talk. So if you guys could just do an in- introduction, um, let's go around the room. And Jed, if we could start with you, just who you are, kind of how you got into turkey hunting. If you want to pay homage to anybody be uh, before you. Um, hi guys, uh, Jed Pranish. Um I've been in this game uh, since I was probably 12, um, watching the ESPN shows on Sunday night. There was a little little clip there that they had some turkey hunting, and I first saw Rob Keck, um, watched a little bit of the, the National Wild Turkey Federation show, and they did a, they did a special with um, some of the top callers from the country at that time and <clears throat> I saw that and I was just Blood. wild. I was like I got to I got to get into this. And my uh I didn't have any immediate family members that were in any type of turkey hunting, so it was kind of you know, figure this out on your own. Um so from there I bought my first call and my goal was I wanted to sound as much like a turkey as I possibly could. Um, and I made it, I made it my goal <clears throat> to get, not only do I want a full turkeys, I want a full, uh, a good ear of a man. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's helped dr- uh, give me a good drive. Um, if you can fool a, a very good turkey hunter's ear, <clears throat> you're doing something pretty good. Right, right. Yeah, I I know, I I have seen some competitions and stuff where guys are are turkey calling and and like I was talking about before we come on, like I am a turkey hunting and I'm a, hunt, a hunter and I'm really into turkey hunting. But uh, you know, you guys take it to the next level, and um, you know, I I think that guys like you you, you set the precedence for you know other guys in our area to to be a better caller. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so 
with that being said, let's continue introductions and, and uh, we'll get back to, to what Cluck's all about here. Yeah, so I'm Brian Meese, uh, co-owner of Cluck, and uh, I got my start in turkey hunting um, when I was about 12 years old, you know, took the hunter safety course and, you know, we weren't allowed to hunt turkey, you know, before that age back then. And uh, same thing, I didn't have any, uh, my parent, you know, my dad didn't hunt, my, my grandfather hunted a little bit, but uh, never took me hunting, with never turkey hunted anyways. And, uh, my cousin, Jeff, uh, Sodmont, he's the one that kind of, you know, really sparked my interest. And, you know, he's the one that just got me into hunting in general. And, um, you know, he, he took me out and I remember that first year, uh, especially deer hunting actually. And, um, I missed so many deer and I, I was like ready to quit cause I was embarrassed how many times right. I kept on missing. And, uh, so then he took me, you know, that was in the, the fall and the spring came along and, um, had, had my first encounter with three jakes that came up this this logging road that i did not see come up and from three yards away and i missed my first turkey <laughs> at three yards and um ever since then i've been hooked and um you know my my brother he's a big turkey hunter also and uh you know as i got a little bit older you know he i think when i was really young you know 12 13 he was you know 18 or 19 right. somewhere around there and you know he was he didn't really care to hang out with me and then as i got older <laughs> we uh you know we became hunting buddies right. as as i got older and you know so we we still do some hunting together and um you know i take out his kids and he'll take out my kids if you know one of us are in a pinch and stuff like that and that's kind of you know that's really where i got my turkey hunting um beginnings from and you know it's for me now it's so much it's it's not even about killing the turkey anymore it's more more so about taking other people out and, right. and teaching them the ropes and, and just, you know, for me, like deer hunting is more rewarding when you kill a giant buck, but, um, when you, when you go turkey hunting, it's just fun. So, yeah, you know, I, I like trying to get anybody I can get out there to, to on a turkey hunt. I, I, I can agree and attest to your statement. And, um, you know, it's, it's really funny and it's something that we always bring up on the show about, um, there's nothing that I've done in my life that is comparable to the camaraderie that you get from hunting and being in the outdoors. Mm -hmm. Um, that's why, you know, I, I played the sports, you know, I did, did, did that and you, you get your teammates and you know, your teammates for life and all that stuff. But like, there's, there's nothing like, I don't want to say killing something together. Cause that's not what I'm really getting at, but like, there's nothing like being part of that process mm -hmm. together. And just the, the adrenaline rush alone is, it's unexplainable really you know when you take somebody out you're like well you just don't understand and they're like oh well tell me about it well like we could sit here and talk about mm -hmm. it but unless there's people that are listening <laughs> that know what we're talking about then it's 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 really hard to explain but well like you said it's just it's the camar camaraderie of it and then the memories you're making right you know right yep so how about how about you nate let's let's keep going around the table here my name is nate burkhart and i'm a co-owner of clock um kind of got my start just being in the outdoors in general, you know, I liked everything about it, the woods and um, deer hunting, fishing, you right. name it. So it kind of just fell in line with everything that I like to do. And um, my uncle Matt, he used to take me hunting a lot when I was younger, primarily turkey hunting because he was a big turkey hunter. So I can definitely thank him for that. And um, but yeah, you know, I can remember being a young kid and like going out with him and, and our styles are a little different. He's a way more patient turkey hunter and I'm a little bit more aggressive as I've gotten older. Right. But I can remember just like 
sitting with him, you know, and here in Pennsylvania, we can only hunt till noon, right? at least for half of the season. But I think back then you could only hunt till noon the entire length of the season. Yeah. Yep. So like, I can remember like going out and sitting with him by a tree from like, you know, sun up till noon. And it was like, you know, and like, it's like deer hunting. (laughs) Yeah. And like, that's what we did. But you know, like you'd go out and you know, you'd have a I can remember like a like a hen coming by and you just like were like shaking so bad like the leaves were moving and right. um but yeah so that's kind of where I got my hook with it you know I can remember like one time and there were more times but I can remember one like the first time I ever saw a strutting turkey like we're sitting there by that tree and you know it was gobbling off the back of the field and then it came out into the field and puffed up and I was like oh my gosh <laughs> like it was the first time I ever experienced that and right. I I don't remember how old I was, probably 12, something like that. So, Mm -hmm. and you could have been 10 yards away hearing me shaking the leaves at that moment, but that's definitely what hooked me. Yeah. So, um, I just wanted to do introduction to my turkey hunting story real quick before we get into it. Um, it's kind of funny. I, I went with my dad and, um, we called turkey in and it was like, turkey flew down, turkey come in, bang, shoot turkey. I'm like, well, this is awesome, you know. I don't understand why most people can't kill turkeys, right? And then uh, the season after came, and it was like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. (laughs) And what it was was uh, during the youth season, my dad had taken out my other cousins, and they slammed a couple birds on the property, and the birds moved a little bit. And I called my buddy, and he's always killing turkeys. And he said, all right, yeah, just be ready to go in the morning. You know, we'll go. I'll take you. I know where there's a good flock at. And I said, okay. And he said, just make sure you bring your tennis shoes. And I said, what the hell do I need tennis shoes for? Well, you're gonna you're about to learn, and and uh, we pulled in, and I'm like, okay, this is a whole different form of hunting, yeah. you know. And and I had a lot a lot of fun doing it, and that was just something I was never taught. And there is there's there's plenty of different ways to turkey hunt, you know. Um, but I I want to before we get into any tactics or talking about bird hunting or anything like that, I want to get right into uh, cluck and and what we're doing here, you know, what what you guys have have put on here and what you guys are shooting for. So if any of you guys want to take it away right away, let's just talk about, you know, we're, we're, we're making calls. What kind of calls are we making? Yeah. So we're doing uh, diaphragm calls, um, pot calls, our box calls. Um, we're really known for our, our diaphragm calls and um, something that we, we offer that, you know, nobody else does and our competitors, you know, they don't do it. Um, we offer every one of our calls in three different stretches. And, um, you know, when I, I started building calls about five years ago and, um, Jed's actually the one that got me into to building, you know, he was building his own calls and mm-hmm. I think he was probably tired of me calling him. Cause I, you know, <laughs> we weren't really buddies. I'd say we were buddies, but like we weren't like close, close right. back then. And I was constantly calling him, you know, just, Hey Jed, can you, can you make me some calls, you know? And so I didn't mind it at all, buddy. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> but so, you know, we, um, you know, learning from him how to build calls, um, and, you know, Jed likes a loose call, you know, a low stretch call is what we call it. And, um, it wasn't until I started building for myself where I started, you know, playing with the different stretches. And, um, I began to move to a much higher stretch at one time. And now I've actually moved the other way again, back down to a lower stretch. But, um, you know, the, having that, that call and, and finding that right stretch on a call is very important. Um, and there's just so many, so many guys that I think don't like a call and they think it's the call, you know, just the call at the company or, you know, it's not making a good call, but it's actually most of the time it's the stretch. It's not the right stretch for the guy. 
and um, you know, offering the three different stretches, we're trying to bridge that gap and let guys figure out what stretch you know they're most comfortable with and what they sound the best with. And then from there, you know, once you find a stretch you like, then you can go on and buy another another one of our calls and that same stretch, you know. Yeah. So, you know, what as far as stretching, what does that do, right? What in inside of a mouth call when the stretch is different, does that change the tone? Does that change the you know the the sound? What what is going to change if I had a uh, a call stretched more than another call, right? Go ahead, Jed. You want to answer that one? Yeah, I feel like you're a good one to take this. Well, <clears throat> I do think that there's a little bit of a misconception with, you know, if you have guys that, you know, they buy the say they buy the starter pack, um, and if they have one of each stretch and they say, oh, you know, I like a low stretch or I like a medium stretch. That's a good basis for them to say, okay, well, you know, the uh, most of my calls from here on out, I want to stick with a medium stretch. But I think there's certain calls or certain types of calls that you can do that, you know, you might really like to yelp on a low stretch, but if you want to get into some, you know, cluck and purrs or something different, a tighter call what i found anyway for me and that's the hard part is everybody is different your mouth is different than mine so there's no cut and dry thing here but for me personally and i think it i think it's probably a good portion of of uh of callers i think if you step up your tension a little bit it actually helps some of your lighter calling make that a little easier um with a loose call you have to manipulate your tongue a little bit and that's why i like a, a loose call you can use your tongue sort of as a tuning fork and you can manipulate your pitches and tones that way um, but i find it pretty hard to <clears throat> to cluck and purr with a really you know you got loose stretched latex there that's kind of flapping mm -hmm. yeah you can get it to purr but it's not a very realistic sounding purr so the different stretches you know obviously do more than just say hey you know there's a guy that needs a loose stretch you can have a guy that's using a high medium and low you know to cover the whole gamut of you know of any turkey vocabulary yeah and that's something um you know I, i'd piggyback off of that and say you know, a lot of guys, like, they think when they buy, we, we call them a starter package, and you get, it's the same exact cut, same, you know, same latex, same cut, but you'll have a low stretch, a medium stretch, and a high stretch, and um, we'll have a lot of guys that they just think that only one of those calls is going to work for them, and that's not the case, you know, like, you can run all three calls, right. um, they're right. all going to sound turkey, but you, you know, for me, when I'm, especially like in a hunting situation, I like to find a stretch of a call that I can kind of do everything on, you know, instead of having to change calls, mm -hmm. like I don't want to be, you know, say I, you know, I'm using a low stretch to yelp on and that's usually, you know, my go-to, but I don't want to have to take that call, you know, say a, a, a gobbler answers me and he comes running right in, you know, I'm not going to take my call out and then have to, you know, start Switch trying to purr, you know, right. so I like to find that, that happy medium where I'm able to kind of do a little bit of everything, especially in a hunting situation, you know, and, and Jed being like in the competitions, you know, so they, those guys, as they're, they're in the competitions. I mean, if you ever watch the scenarios going on, I mean, they're, you know, five different calls in their hand right. or whatever, and they're putting one in. And I mean, it's amazing what they can do, yeah. but 
you know, and like he said, not every one of those calls, they might be different cuts, but not every one is, is you know, exactly stretched yeah. the same either. Right. If you can get that call that, that does cover it, you know, it's a, it's a benefit, especially in the contest scene, <clears throat> because, you know, one of the, you have to paint a picture, you're putting a scenario out there. Judges don't want to hear dead space in there. You know, they right. want to have it be a pretty consistent, um, pretty consistent show. But then also in the woods too, you know, if you have a call that covers everything or, or covers a bulk of the sounds, that's less movement in the woods. That's less, you know, it's just sit down, hunt, and don't worry about fumbling through a bunch of different calls. Right. Yeah. So like, I'm like the perfect example of, of like somebody this has helped because my whole life growing up, like, you know, I would just buy a call and use it. And half of my career of turkey hunting, you could say, like, I didn't even know what the difference in the cuts. Like, I just bought a call because it looked cool and right. I try it, you know. <laughs> cool packaging. Yeah, <laughs> like, that looks cool. I'm right. going to try it. And and I had so many calls over the years that I was just like, this just isn't, it isn't good. You know, like, you mm-hmm. could you could buy 10 to have one that sounds really good. And, right. Uh, you know, so now like we can kind of attribute that that one call to just being probably stretched good for me you know like that call was where I needed it to be and like but like so like I was a turkey hunter and guys always say like you don't have to be the best caller to to kill a turkey and that's like totally true you know what I mean like you could go out and rub two sticks together and if it makes turkey sound you could kill a turkey you know what I mean that's totally true but like you know when I when I started here with with brian and and you know knowing jed and stuff with cluck um it really opened my eyes to like the world of turkey calling and like the art behind turkey calling Mm -hmm. so i'm going to sit here and say that like you have turkey hunting and then you have turkey calling okay so they're in like a world of now naturally like a guy that's good at turkey calling is probably going to be able to go out and kill a turkey because you know, he's going to know what they sound like, what they do, and he's going to be able to, to call them in. Right. But, like, they're two pages of their own. So you can't com- you can't sit and be like, well, you're, you know, this competition turkey caller. <clears throat> he's so he's good, but I bet he can't kill a turkey. It's like, uh, you can't think like that. You got to right. be like, you know, we can, er, you know, we can go out and, and turkey hunt. And that, t- that turkey calling style is nothing like when Jed's on the stage competitively calling that's you know he's he's doing that to to show and and to um imitate imitate and he's trying to sound like a turkey so (laughs) mosquito spider save that for later i'll put it on a roll (laughs) yeah we had the we had the door open too long but yeah so like you know he's trying to to sound as much like a turkey as he possibly can right and that's why he's throwing going through the whole scenario of like the tree yelps, the fly downs, the yelps, you know, like everything. And, and uh, so it's kind of like a misconception there between the two. Yeah. And you see, you know, you, like, you know, if you're watching the, the Grand Nationals on, on TV and, you you know, you see some of the comments going down through and, you know, you have so many guys that, like you said before, like, oh, I bet, he, I, you know, he can call good. I bet he can't kill a turkey, though. Right. And like that's I mean, I don't know many of those competition guys, but I mean. Yeah, they're I mean, all turkey they're, hunters. They're all, I mean, that's where they get their start. Exactly. Yeah, and you know, they're that. That just that. Whenever I hear that comment, though, that drives yeah. me nuts because I mean, you know, they're they're great callers and they're yeah. 
they're probably great turkey hunters and great woodsmen, you know, and, you know, usually as a turkey hunter, you usually are a better woodsman. Right. Um, yeah. But. So you just can't, it's, it's hard to put the two of them together. Cause I think it's really two different, two different playbooks, but I kind of went down a rabbit hole. I was talking earlier about, um, like what, when I, when I opened the, or came through with Cluck or, you know, joined Brian with Cluck, um, I was like what we would call like an air blower. And yes. that's, and that's like a, your average turkey caller, like the average, you 95% know, 95% of the guys. Yeah. Like your average, you know, guy that's out in the woods is, is blowing air. And like, when we say blowing air, it means you're just like taking in a breath and you're blowing the air just from your mouth, you know, and you're doing like those old videos where you'd see like guys would explain like call turkey by like chalk, 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 you yeah. know, or something like that. <clears throat> so you're just like, that's, that's air blowing. But they have taught me about you know, calling from your diaphragm mm -hmm. and like a lot of times like in videos that we, you know, post and to social media and things with let's huffing and you're like bringing the air up from your diaphragm, kind of like you're like fogging up a window. Mm -hmm. Like if you were to fog up a window and, you know, and then write your name in it, that's kind of what you're doing, but turkey calling. So for me coming into this game, you know, I was an air blower, didn't really know what stretch I was supposed to be or anything, didn't really know anything about it. And, you know, through the, the progress of it, I've been learning and like, you know, being able to be here in the shop and build different calls, I can, you know, I've been fortunate to um, find the stretch that works best for me. And I'm definitely like, you know, like a, like a medium to a, a high stretch guy when, you know, when you're coming down our, our category of calls. And it's really taken me to, call, you know, my calling to the next level um, did I kill turkeys before? Yeah. You know, but do I sound more like a turkey now? Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's, it's pretty cool. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of guys need to just, you know, experience it and everybody wants to sound as much like a turkey yes. as you possibly can. Right. Yeah. That's the ultimate goal is like, you know, that was your opening statement. You know, you wanted to sound mm -hmm. like a turkey, you know, and, you know, I didn't get that until a few, you know, a few years back where I, you know, when you, when you learn to call from your diaphragm, that's when you start to, you know, you're able to make that two-tone yelp, you know, that high front end that breaks over into some rasp, you know, the way a turkey does it. Right. And, um, you know, once you, you start to make more, you know, realistic turkey sounds, that's when you, you really start to, you know, keep on getting deep, you know, diving deeper and deeper into this game of, yeah. of turkey calling. Um, you know, but at heart, you know, I'm still a turkey hunter. That's my favorite thing to do. You know, I'm not doing competitions or anything like that. Right. You know. Yeah, but, you just want to practice your talents out in the woods and, and see how far you can get with a bird. Yes, you know? and, and something to add on what Nate was saying, too, about blowing air. I remember for years, you know, you were trying to get me onto batwing calls, and and whenever the way I was just blowing air, I wasn't calling from my diaphragm, I would constantly have that a batwing. I don't know if you're familiar with the type mm -hmm. of cut that is, but yep. the, the flap would constantly flip up on me, and then it would squeak, you know, mm -hmm. and it was because of the way I was blowing the air. But as soon as I learned to call from my diaphragm, it was completely different, you know. I was able to control the call, you know, a lot better, and um, you know, that's that's my go-to call now as a as a batwing, you know, ninety-five percent of the time. You know, there's something else in there too. If you think about it, <clears throat> if you're not using a call that is suited to you, I think you can you can gain and then carry on bad habits. You know, the nice part is you have the the multiple stretch. When you find that, you know, calling should be, calling should not be laboring. And yes. 
you know, you go by calls, you don't know what cut you want, you don't know what stretch you're at. And if you buy calls that aren't suited for you, you're going to gain bad habits. And then, you know, how do you break them? You don't know, you know, with this, you can, you know, you can find that stretch, get it to where calling is comfortable for you. And then you can work on, okay, you got to work on calling with the diaphragm and, you know, finding the cut you like. And the biggest thing is listen to turkeys. Yes. You know, listen to real turkeys and you'd be amazed. And a lot of guys can probably attest to that. If you're ever hunting with a guy or you may have even seen it on video, um, if you hear a guy calling and then a hen, a real hen comes in and starts calling, the guy that's calling, all of a sudden his calling just goes up a level or two because you have that instant reaction you're hearing what that hen's doing and <clears throat> the you know it makes your calling better it, yep, it really does so you know if you're going to practice if you want to get better listen to turkeys and just oh, yeah. you know mimic their cadence or pitches you know all that there's so much that yeah. you can cover yeah and i feel like like every i don't well i shouldn't say everybody but most turkey hunters have experienced the point of that where like you know you're calling and all of a sudden this hen just starts yelping and then you imitate her and yeah. like and you're like wow i'm sounding pretty good you know like yeah i sound i sound kind of like her you know so that's I, I definitely agree with that you know what i mean just one more thing i wanted to add about um on you know the actual calls themselves you know there's there's a really there's a misconception that and you know it's something we see on social media on comments all the time you know um jet he's you know he's one of the best callers in the world you know and uh you'll have guys that will say, well, that guy, he can put any call in his mouth and, and sound good. Oh, yeah. And that's not the truth. I mean, no. I've no offense, but I've heard you on a, a ghost cut. It's <laughs> bad. How about that ghost cut the other day? <laughs> yeah. Bad. You know? um, and, and we all struggle with ghost cuts right now. And, you know, we have so many guys asking us, you know, do we have a ghost cut? Do we have a ghost cut? And, you know, maybe we should just throw something out there. We're um, getting there. It, yeah, we've been working on one for a while now. And, um we're just not getting the sounds out of the call we want. And, um, you know, and for me, the, the, you know, I'm, I'm actually starting to get onto it a little bit, but it's not, you know, I'm liking some of the soft stuff. And here. I think that's the thing. We're just not, we're just not, it's not the cut for us. Cut, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. think that's just it. Yeah. But, um, you know, for me again, too, like a V cut isn't a cut that I like to run at all. Um, and it's a great call. It's a lot of guys will, will love that call. And, you know, that's that's a call that I would recommend to a lot of guys that are just starting out because of, you know, you, everybody wants to be raspy. And, um, you know, that's a call that you can usually, a V-cut, you can usually throw in your mouth. And if you're blowing air, it's going to sound raspy. But, you know, for me, again, trying to make that, that most realistic yelp as possible, I can't, I can't really get the sounds out of it. So, for me, it's usually a bat wing or mm-hmm. the combo cut that I'm usually running. And then um, we did make a call. It's called, like, a modified ghost cut. Um it's got like a ghost in the middle, but we got some extra cuts on the sides and I'm able to run that call pretty well too. Yeah. That's kind of <laughs> one thing. Like that's like a big thing we do here in the shop is like we, you know, every call that, every call that we have available on our website, like it's a call that we've run and like, you know, we're not just like building a call to put it out there for everybody to use. And it's potentially like not even that good. You know, like if someone said, Oh, you should sell like, for example, the ghost cut. Well, we haven't found what we can run yet. So 
Like well, we want to make sure whenever we put a call out there that it's user friendly right. and, and everybody can use it. So, you know, that's like a, like, that's pretty important to us. It, well, I mean, back to like the whole diaphragm thing too. Like there's calls though, like that if you're not using your diaphragm to call on, like back in the day, there were so many calls I threw away and then, you know, I'm like, man, I, well, I was just blowing air. Mm-hmm. When I learned to call from my diaphragm, you learn that that call wasn't a bad call, you know? Right. So you're able to, you know, that's why they call them diaphragm calls. You know, a lot of mm-hmm. guys call them mouth calls, but right. they're called diaphragm calls because you're bringing that air from, from down within, you know? And mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's a great example. You know, I think something that you guys have really good here is you have three really good turkey callers. Okay. And what I'm getting to is, so a lot of places that make turkey calls, especially like um, small business, is like one guy that's really passionate about it. You know, there's three of you here that are really passionate. So, you know, you're not afraid to tell each other, hey, that, that sounds like shit. Yeah, that, you know actually, I, mean? I, like, I think that happens quite often. Right, right. <laughs> so, you know, that's that's how you do it, man. That's, yeah. you know, that's the proper way to do it. And I, I really appreciate and like how you guys aren't going to put something out there that you don't stand behind. Right. Yeah. It's not user friendly, however you want to say it. You know, it, until until you've perfected or you can like lay it down in front of you and kind of look at it and say, son of a bitch, that thing sounds good, right? That's right. that's exactly what you stand for. And I can I can already see that and understand that. Um, what about uh, is there any anything with the reads or anything like a triple read or um, multiple reads or adding more or less that changes uh, the call for you guys? Is there I know the cuts are different. You know, we were talking mm-hmm. about like bat wing and a V read and, and some other stuff, but. Um, is there anything you guys wanted to touch on as far as that, or is it just a stretch? Um, yeah, so most of our calls are three read calls. We do have a few two read calls, um, you know, and, and the two read calls just take a little bit less tension or a little bit less um, air, you know, from your diaphragm again, or, you know, if you're blowing air, they take a little bit less to, to make turkey sounds from it, you know. But, um, you know, I think we carry – 20 different calls right now or 20 is it 20 or 22 yeah it's and, somewhere around there and um you know most of them are all three read calls and i just feel like you know you can jed would probably be a really good one to ask this question but because i have ran some two two read calls but they're not it's like they're they're lacking something they lack um, body like they're just you can't really get on them they're, yeah they're, I, the three recall has like a more fuller sound yeah. like a like a chesty turkey sound where you know the the two read call might be a little kind of flat almost yeah yeah um but i was actually there we messed up the other day when they had two pieces of latex from whenever i was stacking latex for nate to put them in the the, uh, the frames the other day and he ended up you know pressing it on accident and there's only a two read call and I, it was a bat wing so you know obviously it's junk so i, I made it a bat wing and threw it in my mouth and i actually had it here this you know right whenever you came down the lane here and um i was outside trying to just you know, play with it a little bit. And as right. soon as I would try to, you know, get a little bit louder and get that volume up a little bit, I was, um, the, the, the call was just like bottom out. Bottom out. Yeah. But uh, there is a place for them too. Like, yeah. Would you say like, um, Duck and purr. Yeah. Yes. Like, you know, some softer stuff or maybe even just somebody just trying to get into turkey calling. Like it's going to be a call that they can use and, you know, use very little air to, to make some sounds. Right. So like there's definitely there's definitely a place for them, mm-hmm. you know. And and that's something too. I mean, there's a lot of guys that call way too loud when they're hunting, you know. Right. And a two read call can actually probably help you a little bit because you can't get too loud on it, mm-hmm. and it'll, it'll make you you know just become a little bit softer. Um, because I you know I, there's a lot of times I've you know we hunt a lot of public land around here, and um 
you know, you hear guys just wrenching on his mouth calls, and I'm like, man, like, that bird's within 50 yards of you. Like, you're going to scare the, the daylights out of the thing. <laughs> She's I mean, shock goblin. Yeah, he probably is shock goblin. <laughs> I mean, it's it gets loud sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, you just really have to – I don't know. You, you, the more and more you get into turkey hunting um, – you know, you learn. There, there's so many, so many things you learn about, and the, your calling styles, and the volume of it, and stuff like that. So, how? I mean, Jed, I'll just start. I'll start with you. Uh, how? How did Jed get good at turkey calling? Did Did you? Are you one of the guys that had turkeys growing up, or something? Because I, just, I know some weird. Guys. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> tell him, tell him a story like he told me though about like sitting up on top of the hill at the high, above the high school. Yeah. Um, when I say that it was an obsession, like it was legit, it was, I, I don't even know how it happened. You know, when you get obsessed about something, you don't control it. Like drugs. And <laughs> my, uh, my grandparents lived uh, up above the, the local high school that I went to. And it's like a big, you know, you have the school there with the big brick side and, you know, there was a lot of open space and I would sit up on the hill and when you would call, the echo would go down and it would reverberate back. And I was like, you know what? This, it was, it was really good for me to be able to hear that because it was telling me what I was doing. So I would sit up there. Um, I would sit up there for hours, and I would just call. And one thing that I like to do, and I still to this day do it, I'll take a good box call, and I'll you know, I'll run it and I'll try to mimic that box call because I think a box call is as close to a real sounding turkey as you can get a good, you know, a good box call. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> I would, I would just, the neighbors probably hated me, but it's, it's just what I did. Right. Um, so then now, I mean, I'll get messages from my kids. They'll, you know, they'll, I'll be sitting at the kitchen table or, in the basement and i'll get a text message it says can you go outside or can you be quiet and right. it's like no <laughs> i'm not going outside if it's 20 degrees out right nate's the guy that has to listen to his wife whenever uh she says no more turkey calling in the house <laughs> i do most of my turkey calling when i'm driving <laughs> which that's tough too because you know you're in the cab of a truck or a car or whatever, mm -hmm. and it, you're not really getting good proper acoustics. acoustics yeah. And um, I know with me, I, f I find that um, I, I can't hear very good to begin with. And if I start calling in the car or if I call in a small room, like I struggle here. This place I sucks. I hate calling in here. Uh, yeah. And <clears throat> you try to manipulate a call based off, you know, what you're hearing. And I'll find that after I've, ridden in the car for two hours and run a call then when i get out into a good building i'm like man i'm i'm out of tune like mm -hmm. i got to get back to what you know because i think your ears adjust to what they think they're hearing yeah they do they really do so yeah that's for sure yeah the acoustics in here <clears throat> in our in our shop here they're pretty pretty bad so we always like every time we run a call we always step outside to to run it to get the the true sound of it or, i'm sure know, the neighbors love it oh yeah we don't have too many neighbors around here yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got a animal lover up there and a 
crazy one over there. Okay. So <laughs> they're good guys. All right. Uh, we, um, we, we waved to each other once in a while. Yeah, I I think that uh, if you guys want to touch on what you would recommend, like there's a lot of guys that are just getting into turkey hunting, right? Or they have been turkey hunting for a while, but they want to get better. You know, most most of us want to get better. You know, everybody sitting at this table wants to get better at turkey hunting for some right. form or some oh, way. Yeah, absolutely. Or even just calling, you know, because I know that there's some people that are going to listen to this episode that probably only just call, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. So what, I guess, what would be a recommendation that you guys would give out there to start that journey? Like, what does that look like? Um, first of all, we're going to buy the starter pack from Cluck, right? Because <laughs> we got we got to do that. And then going from there, you know, find a good spot, call to yourself. Do you guys recommend that they listen to a, a video? Do you, you know what I mean? Where, where should they go from there? Um, I'll start off by, you know, just saying there's so much information on YouTube nowadays. I mean, when, you know, when we were coming up, we didn't have that. Right, right. I was fortunate, you know, I came from a, like a turkey hunting family mm-hmm. where they were killing turkeys back in the seventies the and stuff like that. For and sure. the eighties, my uncles were, and my cousin, you know, passed it on to my cousins and, you know, I told you my cousin Jeff's the one that kind of passed everything on down to me. And um, so I'm, I'm fortunate in that sense. But, um, you know, with the way social media is out there right now, I would uh, watch the hunting public and um, uh, Dave Owens, uh, the, the Pinhoti Project. I mean, they're two great turkey hunting shows. I mean, they're, they're mostly hunting all uh, public land. So it's not like they're right. You know, I'm not, and I have nothing against the way anyone kills a turkey. But, you know, they're not hunting on field edges and stuff like that. And I would say, you know, 99% of the birds we kill, I, I couldn't even tell you. The the first bird I ever harvested was a field bird. And ever since then, I've never killed a bird in a field again, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they, I mean, they have great information, you know. They're they're good callers. Um, they're, they're, they're woodsmen. And that's the, I would say to be a good turkey hunter, um, just becoming a good woodsman is, is number one, you know. And uh, boots on the ground when you're, you know, scouting. Um, I, I don't know. Like, you don't want to – again, that's the, that's my style of hunting. I'm not saying, like, you can go get a blind tomorrow at Walmart, put in the middle of a field, put up some decoys, and right. you know there's a turkey that roosts in this tree every night and he flies down into the field, and you don't have to make a – you know, don't have to make a call. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, that's not what – you know, the fun part about turkey hunting is, is communicating with that turkey, you know. I don't know if you guys have anything to add. Yeah, so, like, I, w- I would say, um, you know, like our starter packs, you get the low, medium, high. So if you have any history at all with turkey calling or, you know, if there's a, a cut that you have used in the past that you like, um, or even if you haven't, you know, you can get a, you can do some research. Um, you know, we have sound files up on our on our YouTube and find something that maybe you want to try out and and get the starter package and you know mess with all three calls and like the big thing is you know a lot of times like when you've put a call in your mouth you can generally tell right away if it's going to be good or not but sometimes they do need to break in like Mm -hmm. you know i mean so you know maybe give it some time work with it and and uh get a sound that you like between the calls and then I know I do it all the time, but like I reach out to Jed and I'm like, hey, send me some turkey audio files because his phone's loaded with it. So he'll like, you know, text me over some some real turkeys, you know, um, audio. And I call with that audio to try and sound as close to that turkey as I can. And like, you know, it's just um, 
trying to imitate it and testing different tongue pressures and how you're blowing the air across those reeds and like just do whatever you can to manipulate that call to try and sound as much like one of those wild turkeys as you possibly can, mm-hmm. you know? And that's that's probably where I would start. And that's why, you know, like with the calls with a low, medium, high, like that's really going to help you because one of them calls is going to sound closer to that wild turkey than, an- than another one, you it, know? Something I just want to add to that real fast, though. Um, you know, if you are going to purchase one of those starter packs off us, I recommend getting your favorite cut to start with. Don't like, don't look at one of our crazy cuts and be like, Oh, I want to try that cut, you know, just, and then buy the starter package right. because you might absolutely hate that cut. You I know what I mean? And it might not just be for you. So I always recommend guys like, Hey, just whatever your favorite call is your favorite cut, whether it be a V cut, bat wing, um, combo cut, buy one of our calls in one of those series first, you know, in the starter package and try, try out that first before you, move on to something crazier that you've never ran before. Yep. Yeah. That's a good recommendation. That way you figure out the stretch you like, and then whenever you figure out that stretch, then, you know, when you want to try uh, one of our crazy cuts, then that's whenever you you buy that stretch. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a great starting point. And then also on top of that, you know, what I would add to that is, like, don't be afraid to mess up because turkey hunting, I don't know anybody who just goes in the woods and shoots a 10-and-a-half-inch beard, you know, just because. Right. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it, it, it can happen. You know, I, I've heard of weird instances and things, you know, going somebody's way. Right. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the fact is, even not wearing gloves can mess up a turkey hunt. You know what I mean? There's there's so many things. Glasses. I know my dad's been busted for glasses. Yep. You know, yep. a glare right off the glasses and you're yeah. done. And sometimes you can get away with it and, and sometimes, sometimes you don't. You, you know, so some guys will say you're crazy for saying that. But right. You know, mm-hmm. People have seen it before, you know. Right, exactly. A shiny shotgun barrel, way, yeah. you know. Way yeah, <laughs> like a, a shiny choke at the end. Probably yeah. Be, mm-hmm. yeah, Any so anything can happen, but the biggest thing is, like, if you're if you're out turkey hunting and it's in the morning and you hear them, you know, you're, you're near a fly down and they come down and you call them in and the bird comes within 60 yards, but you just can't quite, you know, get that spot or that shot and all of a sudden, you know, neck comes up and, you, you know, right away, you're mm-hmm. son of a bitch. And they go, you know, don't get discouraged. Just move. It's you learn something that day. You yeah, exactly. You, yeah. Yep. You learn from it. Um, I would think you know the other thing that you would need to learn, and like you said, would be from a woodsmanship way. And I love the YouTube thing. The mm-hmm. YouTube University is wonderful, and that's probably half the reason, or most of the reason why I've half the shit done at my house that I have done. You know, yeah. whether it's you know working <laughs> with wood or whatever. Yeah. But the thing is, when it comes to hunting, there's too much lick it and stick it now. Like, and I just brought this up not too long ago about. Like the deer hunting thing. Like, oh, well, you know, first thing you want to do if you're hunting deer is go out and buy a trail camera. Mm-hmm. No. Like, you should know a little boots bit. Boots on ground. You got to get your boots on the ground. Yeah. You got to get your feet wet. And you you need to make a mistake like that. I'm not saying that mistakes are the way to learn because they're not always the way to learn. Especially anybody who has an older brother. You know, like my younger brother got to learn a lot because I did a lot of stupid <laughs> yeah. stuff, right? And he's seen. Yeah. Like, oh, don't do that. Don't, you know, don't make that turn. Stay yeah. straight. So, um the messing up part i think for turkey hunting is really crucial and especially being out there and witnessing like the sequence of things that you know that go down mm-hmm. you know whenever you you're close to that bird because most people that are new to turkey hunting they probably never even heard a, a turkey purring or clucking no. you know when you have a hen that's clucking real light mm-hmm. and you're like man that, that's awesome you know that's and like you said you can listen to turkey files and that's that's a great way to do it without you know having to go and make a mistake so yeah i, I would I would recommend just just get out there and try it. Or if you're really lucky and you can get a mentor, 
I can't think of a better that, way to hunt than with a mentor. Yeah. That's oh, something yeah. I was going to say that I left out. You know, you know, I, I did mention like the social media stuff, but if you can find somebody that knows how to hunt turkey, I mean, mm-hmm. pick their brain, yep. you know, ask them to go out with you. You yeah. know, obviously like a lot of guys don't like to take you to their spots, but you know, if you have your own spots and I'm, you know, I'm that way, you know, if I'm tagged out, I'm looking for anybody I can, you know, just to get out in the woods again, yep. you know? Yep. And, um, plus, I mean, let's face it. There's probably nothing. I mean, it's rewarding to kill, but like if you have your kids or, you know, somebody close to you or somebody, it's hard to even compare that to anything, yep. you know, yeah. when, when they kill, even if they don't kill, you know, yeah. they get the experience, which, right. you know, here in Pennsylvania, I mean, I, I remember turkeys being more plentiful, to be honest with you. And I know that that has something to do with the predatoration. It, it, it's, it's higher and the kill rate's higher, but at the same time, I have seen some other stuff and I don't really want to get into this part of it, but about, you know, there's a lot more clear cuts now and the turkeys mm-hmm. are having a hard time getting off the ground quicker and some other stuff like that. And that makes sense to me, you yeah. know, and I know the rain season and there's some other stuff that comes into play, but I, I, I think it's, I think it's harder now to kill birds in Pennsylvania than it, than it was 10, 20 years ago. I really do. I agree with that. Yeah. There, I mean, the population, I, you can just tell it's, it's way down, Yeah, you know, and, um, like I, I would still say in this area here, we still have a decent population. Mm-hmm. Now we hunt the Allegheny mountains a lot, um, or Allegheny national forest. And, um, my brother, I give him the most respect in the world when it comes to turkey hunting, because he kills a turkey up in the mountains every year, yeah. you know, and it's, it's tough. I mean, impressive. And I, you know, I don't get to go up as much as I used to, cause we're kind of, you know, prior to this, you know, I, I got three little kids and stuff like that. So I'm just not able to, to get up there as much as I was. And I, I was shooting some competitive archery stuff. So I'm gone a lot, but, um, you know, I try to go up there at least one, once, once a year, one day to hunt up there. And I mean, there's a lot of times up there you put on 10 to 15 miles in a day right. and you don't hear one gobble, you know, True. now yeah. I will say when you do get a bird up in the mountains, to gobble, you usually kill that bird because mm-hmm. it probably hasn't been hunted. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I can remember being like, 16 17 years old in potter county you know which is in northern pennsylvania and like you could stand on one ridge and owl hoot and it was like there were two or three birds that gobbled on every ridge top yeah. and like in the morning you know the the woodpeckers are going the birds are chirping and it's just like a gobble frenzy everywhere mm-hmm. and now you go up there and like you said you're lucky to hear one turkey yeah it's it's tough you know it is tough and it's but and i don't want to see this area where we live where we're able to hunt every day i don't you know, I don't ever want to see it get to that point. Um, yeah. cause it's, it's not as much fun whenever you're, uh, no. putting on 15 miles a day and <laughs> you don't not, hear a gobble and you do it three, four days in a row like that. Um, I think that's the best part of turkey hunting. Yeah. You know, being able to go out and, and hear them. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, ultimately like when we're turkey hunting, you want to go out and you want to hear a gobble. Yep. I mean, it's, it's a, simple. that's a good day when you get, that. yeah, it's like that. When it's they a, call back to you, mm-hmm. it's right? as simple as that. You want to go out, you want to hear that gobble and you, you know, you want to call to it and chase after it or whatever you know yeah so when you go out and and i'm not saying like you can go out turkey hunting and still enjoy the woods and being out there obviously you know but the you want to hear that gobble right yeah i'm right there with you i mean if i go out in the woods and i don't hear a gobble like we were talking about before we come on sometimes i just want to sit there you know Mm -hmm. and be at peace or whatever and i shot turkey like that you know you call in the morning and you don't think nothing's gonna happen (laughs) and you know, you're kind of uh, dozing off and you're, oh, okay, here we go. You know, a little live action here, but um, let's touch on, I'd like to touch on calling too much. I feel like that's, because it's exciting, right? And, oh, he ain't calling back. I want, oh, I'm yeah. going to call again, right? I'm going to call again. I'm going to call again. And like you said, we did touch on the volume. 
Jed, if you want to touch on like just you know calling too much, when when do you think like okay like let's let's well we're back here a little bit and kind of see what the bird's doing. I always just take the kind of take the bird's temperature and see where he's at or they're at. You know, if you have a mixed flock more often than not, it seems like lately I'm seeing more turkeys come in in groups. Um, but anyway, with that, you know, I just kind of gauge where where they're at vocally, what they're doing. Um, I, when I hunt, I personally try to call as little as possible. I mean, how many times you see it, you know, you, if you can visualize and see what the turkeys are doing, you know, and they're coming through the woods, you, you know, you let out a series of yelps or cuts and then the turkey stops and struts. And, you know, that's just more time that you're wasting that that, that turkey's not walking towards you. So, right. um, you know, I like to hear turkeys gobble as much as the next guy. Um, but that, I mean, that every situation's different. You know, sometimes, you know, sometimes you need to, to keep that bird fired up. Right. Um, you know, and it's it's hard because I personally prefer a timber hunt. You know, I want to be hunting them in the timber. You know, not that I'm opposed to killing them in the field, but, you know, I'm going to go where the turkeys are at. But, you know, just based off where I've been hunting recently, it's it's pretty much all timber. Um, so, I mean, that's just, that's how I do it. You know, I'm not saying that's right, but I think it has worked for me and, you know, <clears throat> stick yeah. with what works. Yeah, and, um, you know, I, I would say, you know, you're, you're exactly right. Um, you're older, though, so you're still – you have a little bit more patience now, I think. So. <laughs> I, could be, I could be better in that me, department. We, me, me and Nate, we're always looking for that horny two-year-old. Right. I <laughs> yeah. understand. I get it. We go to that it. spot, I think, Goblin, we run to the next spot, and <laughs> we put a pile of miles on. Yeah. Um, no, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm joking about that to a degree, you know. Um, what you said is, you know, is exactly right. You're, you're just taking that bird's temperature. Mm -hmm. Um, there's some birds, um, I'll use my brother again, you know, the guy just loves cutting birds, you know, I, I mean, he just cutting, 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 you know, <laughs> and those birds, they come, you know, they come running up over the hill, but I'll tell you what though, they know where he's at when he's cutting. Cause he's calling so much too. When you're, when you're calling too much, that bird knows exactly where you're at. And, um, you know, he, he sets up. So when those Turkey poke up over the bench, they, they peek and they mm -hmm. do one little look. And as soon as they look, if they don't see that hen up on that bench where he's sitting, they're right back down. So he's, you know, as soon as they poke their head up and he sees it's a, a gobbler, he's, he's pulling the trigger right there. You know, I, I do want to stop you right there because you just brought something up that I was going to get into. And that is what I have seen personally when I'm hunting, right. Is I will set up on birds and always try to set up on birds that are below me, okay? Mm -hmm. And I'm able to call them up the hill. Now, I have found, for me, now I've talked to other turkey hunters that I think are good turkey hunters, and they have been able to call birds down to them, right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I have not yet been able to do that. So that's something I want to touch on. Is that something that you guys are able to do pretty often, uh, you know, get a bird to come downhill to you, or do you try to set up? above the bird i always try to set up above the bird or at the same level as that bird yeah i mean that's a good rule of thumb um but a hunt that i was uh, part of last year 
that turkey came from that we were pinned we couldn't we couldn't get above it um and it ended up that we had hens on the hillside that had we tried to pursue that turkey and get above them we would have got busted so mm-hmm. um that gobbler came a long ways down a very steep hill um how much did you call to that bird um fair and a fair amount and the nice part of that was i had a nice uh conversation with a hen one of those hens that was on the hillside she came down and and it was just the perfect back and forth you know she obviously helped it's always good if you have a a real hen right there near you but you know obviously with her hearing me she started to get a little bit more Mm -hmm. fired up than she probably normally would have been right and you know it, it it was a nice it was a nice hunt um I've had other turkeys that have come downhill, but I agree. If you have the option, I would want to be on the same level or slightly above him if if I can get there. Yeah, I think, you know, if you can be on the top, obviously you've got the advantage of hearing as well. Yeah. So, you you know, you've, you, you can hear a little bit better. And, you know, like you said, generally they come up the hill. You know, that's what you hear everybody saying. But I think one thing about it is, were you in were you in the timber? Mm-hmm. So like I think that has something to do with it too. Are you in open country where they can see down into that bottom, okay. or are you in the woods right. where it's thick and they got to come down to investigate? Because if they don't know, if they can't see you down there, you know, or if like if it's thick enough that they have to come down and push a little, you know, a little deeper to to come check you out, then you might have the shot. And, and that's why I think it's. That's why I think personally um, is why I try to step above a turkey. Think of like, have you done, you know, deer drives before, especially like up in the mountains? Okay. Say, so you're in the timber. When you're walking around a bench on that deer drive, you look down, you can see forever. Oh, yeah. So, and that's why I think, that's why I think you want to set up above them because whenever you're at the bottom of that bench and you look up, you can only see, you know, 30, 40 yards. But if you're at the top bench looking down, you can see the next bench down below you 150 yards. So I think that's why you want to set up above a turkey. Yeah, that's you know, a good point. Because, of their, again, it's all their vision. Um, you know, and the thicker the timber, I think it's, it's better nowadays right. too, you know. Right, because they have to come in. Like, they got to come. They can't They got to be right on top of you to see if that hen's right around that tree. Where if they're out in the field and you're calling over there and they're like, well, I can't see anything, right. you know. And, so. and that goes back to, your, you know, the question you started with about overcalling. And I think that's where, when you are overcalling, you know, that bird, he can pinpoint exactly where you're at. So if he's up above you looking down, he's looking, he's like, that hen should be there. And he's just standing up there waiting and waiting and waiting. You know, you know, you hear a lot of guys say, oh, that bird hung up at 70 yards, you know. You know, he's he's there. He's just, he doesn't right. see what he wants to see, to co- you know, to right. commit the rest of the way. And that's where, you know, having a, another guy with you, double teaming a bird, comes in handy a lot of times, you know. Oh yeah, having setting up behind you. I, I right. mean, that's yeah. I would say yeah, and it, it, you know, as like a new hunter, that's one of the biggest mistakes I made so many times. You know, you, you that bird's there, gobbling, gobbling, gobbling. He shuts up for you know thirty minutes, forty five minutes, and it's like you're calling every five minutes, and you you wait a little bit, you're waiting, he's not answering you, and you, you know you're starting to get bored. You're looking at your clock, you're like, okay, I've been here for an hour now. You stand up, yeah, there he is, sixty, right seventy yards away. You yeah. couldn't see him, but he was able right. to. 
to know exactly where you were at and was just waiting to see the hen before he committed the rest of the way. Right. Because by nature, the hen goes to the gobbler. It's not the other, you know, the gobbler doesn't go to the hen. Right. Yeah. And I've <clears throat> seen, I've, I've seen turkeys in the past too stand still for a long period of time. Like, you know, you think of chickens and they're constantly moving just everywhere, you know. But I've, I've witnessed turkey, like a long beard, just out there at 70 yards, just standing there. 10, 15 minutes. Just yeah. on alert, just looking. Yep, just yeah. looking. Like he got like, his comfort level. And yep, he, and he's just like, standing right. there just looking. And it's like, I think there's something to that, you know, where they're just standing there. And you don't see anything because you can't see the movement or anything like that. But then you go to stand up, and there they go. And that's when you give up on that bird, and you go find that two-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> something else there, too, we touched on earlier. You know, if you have that – we talked about guys calling too loud you know if you can tone it down and you know if you tone the calling down enough to make it sound like you're further away than you really are you know you can you might be able to pull a few extra 20 yards out of that turkey you know and get him in range right yeah and it seems like when you're calling like when you know when when you've got a bird that's coming in or interested in coming in and you're just doing those little you know, purrs and, and um, clucks and things like that, and they're still gobbling, you know they're coming. Yep. Yeah. So, like, whenever you can locate a turkey by just calling soft, I feel like you've got a way better chance yep. of actually bringing that turkey in versus just walking on a, a ridgetop calling as loud as you can. You hear one gobble, but it's like, okay, I heard him gobble, which is cool because then you can go after him. Yep. But <clears> – <throat> You know, I think you've got a better chance of killing that turkey if you're calling just a little softer. Yeah. Everybody wants to hit the hard stuff. Yeah. But. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's where you want to start, too. You know, whenever you're making your first calls, say you're not hearing any turkeys gobbling. Right. You don't want to just, you know, start wrenching as loud as you can. I like to start as soft as I can and just, you know, you're hoping one's close enough that they hear it and they gobble. And then, you you know, I slowly work into it where I keep on, you know, raising the level, the volume of what, you know, where I'm trying to get a turkey to gobble and you know sometimes you get one to gobble sometimes you don't you know but i would i would definitely start soft and then work my way up yeah i think there's something too you know like this is i guess this is kind of a little off topic but um i think there's something too like you know a lot of times you're you'll hear guys say like when they're coming in just completely completely shut up and like that's totally true you know what i mean you're sitting there you're just silent and that bird's just you know, you can hear them coming, like you can hear them drumming or things like that, but you can't exactly pinpoint them. If you can be calling soft and getting him to gobble, you you know where he is when he's going to pop up over that knob. Because if I'm set up this way and I'm like, he could be anywhere and right. he pops up right here, the chance of me killing him are slim to none. Right. So if you can be calling soft, you know, if, like I have a good balance and I'm not talking like over calling, but just like soft little calling that. That way he's gobbling just to give you that last gobble before he's in view. So be, you're like, okay, boom, here he is, there he is, and you got him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's like the, the bird Simon killed last year in a way, you know. Um, the bird was hot in the morning. It was the youth day, and um, he came in above us off to our left, and, you know, we, we couldn't get a shot at him up there. It was, it was thick as could be. And, you know, I, I turned my head real slow, and I just – you know change the sound to make it sound like it was down the hill from where i was you know calling from that tree and that bird he just you know instantly oh, just yeah just straight came, down straight the down the hill and ended up you know getting a shot at him then but um yeah i would definitely say that the less calling so you're not giving up your location to that bird is the best thing you can do yeah and like you hear guys say about like throwing the sound you know where they put their hand and they kind of throw the sound 
And like, that was the prime example of it because you turn your head and when that bird came down in front of you, I mean, he came down, he was going right to where you were projecting that sound. Yeah. So that was well, pretty, pretty I, cool to see. I think that's why, you know, when you have somebody sitting behind you, right, the bird's looking through you, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yes. Oh, yeah. You're calling and you're 30, 40 yards yeah. behind your buddy or whatever. Their attention's a little bit past you. It is. It is. And you just kind of just got to set still and mm-hmm. next thing you know, they're at the end of your barrel or whatever. And Yeah. So I, I think if you, if you hunt as a team, you know, yeah, you can, you can really do some damage tag team and birds. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what about weather? Do you guys think that weather changes the way the birds act in any way? Cause I feel like I always see birds out in fields in the rain and mm-hmm. I, I have a theory on this and I, I, it's just a theory. Um, but I feel like, you know, that the, the predation of them is so high that they can't hear very well when they're in the woods and it's raining. Mm-hmm. So they'll get out in the field and kind of get, Hey, you know, all eyes on deck here. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a good theory for sure. No, I, I definitely believe that. Something yeah. I always thought of too is, you know, you see them out in the fields, like maybe, you know, I don't know if they're eating more of, you know, the worms, things like right, that, that generally fields that time of the year that yep. generally come out, you know, from the rain. So they could be doing that too. Um, I think it could, you know chalk it up to be quite a few things well think of yourself deer hunting you know whenever you have a, a heavy downpour um you know that's when deer sneak up on you because you can't hear them walking right. right so i think a turkey at that point they're using their eyes as, as their oh yeah Number their one. advantage right. yeah, and that's why they go in a field because you know there's three or four of them and mm-hmm. you know they're looking all around every direction and they're able to cover themselves 360 at that point yeah so that's kind of that's why i think they're out in the fields but at the same time like you said the worms are coming up they're able to feed yeah we were talking about it the other day like you know a good gobbling day what's a good gobbling day you know is it like a nice sunny day or is it kind of like the other day it was raining like drizzling a little bit and the birds were going crazy right you <laughs> right, know like right. so it's just like what you know and, get and my spot <laughs> <laughs> so brian you know brian kind of said about like he really likes hunting like if you've got like a cold day, like a cold or rainy day, but then the next day is nice. Warms up 15 Warms degrees. up 15, 20 degrees. Mm-hmm. Like those birds are like. I feel like they gobble them, better. Yeah. Ready to what, roll. what do you think about it too? Like you ever pay attention to social media and you'll see a day like you may kill a gobbler and then you'll see a bunch of guys posting pictures that same day. Like mm-hmm. what was it? What was it that made that day? special compared right. to maybe the day before you right know? and if you watch that um you'll see that because i i help with a um hunter cooperative survey um that a friend of mine put on and um you see the feedback at the after the season and they compile the info and it's amazing like there's pockets where and you know it's covering the whole state mm-hmm. and it's like those certain days the numbers are up and, you know, I guess you, you can look back and say, okay, well, the barometric pressure yeah, was here, right. and, you know, this and that. Um, but I've been out days that were absolutely beautiful, like bluebird, beautiful, sun shining, didn't hear a thing. Well, I was just going to say that, like, and I don't know if you guys have experienced this or not, but like when I was like, you know, years of growing up turkey hunting and things like that, I would attribute my worst days to like warm sunny days and like i always liked that and this is just me this is just like experiences that i've had over the years but i I always like those chilly 
kind of chilly mornings, you know, where it's like, you know, here in Pennsylvania, maybe it's like 40 degrees in the morning yeah. or something like that. And, you know, and then like you'd have gobbling, you know, for a while really good, but then, then it warms up real fast to, you know, 60, 70 degrees. The sun comes out and it seems like it kind of, like for me, it seemed like they kind of stopped, Yeah. you know, where it's like, I've had days where it was like overcast, um, overcast, kind of, kind of chilly all day. And I've had better gobbling mm. on days like that. And like, I can remember two years ago, I had a day, it was pouring down rain. And I was like, I hiked like three miles in and I'm like, what am I even doing out here? And I'm standing there like contemplating why I even came out in the woods and I heard a gobble mm-hmm. and I'm like, are you kidding me? And I walked out to this, I walked out to like this old strip mine and I looked out and this long beard was just out there just cruising. Mm-hmm. And I yelped at him like three times and I mean, he came running in, you know, and that was a day when it was downpouring. Yeah. So like, I, I don't know. I, I, I like personally, I hu- like hunting those like colder, maybe a little overcast or, you know, the sun breaking through versus like, just like a warm, like, you know, 70 degree sunshine day. Yeah. So you wonder though, too, as I'm you know sitting here thinking about that, like you attribute that to early season, it's colder weather. Yeah. It's it's also the early season. There's been less people in the woods. Yeah, There's less that's pressure. True too. Yeah. There's just so many things that go into it. Um, the, you know, the peak breeding's probably right. over at that point. Say. That's true. Because um, like, if you have a day where it gets to seventy degrees, it's probably later, it's later in the season. Later in the yeah. season. So that's true. I mean, I mean, obviously, good point. You know, that's you're gonna kill more birds early in the season. I guarantee. I mean, I haven't ever looked at statistics, but if you did, I would guarantee that the um, first two weeks, first two weeks, you get yeah. best two weeks. You know, and you know, but you are going to kill those, usually those older birds later in the season. Right. You know, that's whenever you kill the, the ones yeah. with hooks on them. I, right. You know, for the most part, it's been that way for me. They're still around for a reason. So if you fool one of them, you know, good yeah. on you. You, you, you did something, mm-hmm. you know, that, that everybody else couldn't do, especially like you were talking, if you're on public land, you know, my hat's off to you, turkey hunting in Pennsylvania. Cause I mean, between us and, you know, I, I would say for turkey, I was thinking like the deer, but. I don't, I mean, you're in, you're in one of the top tier states. You, there's hunters everywhere. They're turkey hunting. There's a lot of outer state hunters that come here, mm-hmm. you know, <clears throat> which is great, but it's also harder on the hunter, right? Right. So, yeah, if you're killing birds on public land, I mean, I'm not saying they're not, that they're easier to kill on private because we have a good bit of property and uh, we, we have birds too. And they're, they're hard to kill, but at the same time, you know, I have posted signs. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I mean, when you're able to like, you know, I get out, to, you know, I'm usually able to hunt till eight o'clock when I have to get my kids on the bus. Right. Um, and during the week, you know, public land isn't hit as hard as what, True. you True. know, what you'd on think a Saturday, it is. Right. Yeah. If you're on a Saturday, you're going to run into guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, yeah. that's, it is what it right. is. No doubt. And that's kind of, I usually hunt during the week on public and then on a weekend, I usually try to find a private piece if I, you know, get permission from somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like, you know. If you can find a if you can find a piece of private ground that you know nobody's really touched, you've got a better chance of killing a turkey. But at the same time, you know if you've got private ground around here, there's probably nobody hunting that ground. Right. You might have a bigger flock of turkey on there. Therefore, you might be competing with more hens. Because mm-hmm. like I know I've done that in the past, where like I've had some private ground that I've hunted, and like you know in the in the springtime the flock was still like. 18 to 20 turkeys and it's like well good luck with that like mm-hmm. good luck calling those those long beards off yeah. of the you know those 15 hens right so you know it's i don't know i think it's 
I think it's still tough, you know? Yeah, right. Uh, it's hunting anything, you know? I, I don't care if it's if it's not a fenced-in deer farm or a fenced-in turkey farm, you know, turkey pen. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's 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 going to be hard. They're wild animals, right? right. A lot of people uh, – just to touch on something else real quick, you know, the elk in Pennsylvania, they get a bad rap. Like, people are like, oh, you know, there's pe- those are people's pets. Yeah, they might, they might seem like it in the rut, you know, but go out there and try to hunt them. They're wild animals, mm-hmm. right? They have a will to live. So – there's a the the comments you see whenever somebody kills kills one of those elk kill yeah. one of those elk I always they're so funny like that that was muffin he was like so you can, <laughs> muffin would he eat from your hand I can't believe you'd shoot right. him you know? I'm like I would never kill a PA elk for that reason you just get on get on a PA game commission uh, uh, Facebook page and you just get bashed you get hate mail yeah. people will be sending you people will be sending you letters for it's like you for killed their dog yeah you killed yeah, their pet right send you crazy. envelopes of anthrax. <laughs> Yeah, Pennsylvania is a, is a really tough state to, to hunt these birds, but that brings me into the next subject. You know, is travel hunting something that you guys have thought of? Is it something that you guys do? Uh, do you go to any other states to do any turkey hunting? Well, we have. You, yeah, you, a little bit. You've been successful. Well, I, I haven't in a, in a long time, but okay. I used to. Yeah, um, I haven't been able to. So I, I shot competitive archery all across the U.S., so mm-hmm. – um, it's just a lot of travel and a lot of time away from the family. And like, that was my, that was my vacations. You right. know what I mean? It was it almost every other weekend you were traveling to a different state to, to shoot, you know? So I, I haven't got out too much. Um, a couple years ago, two, I think it was two years ago, um, me and my nephew and his buddy, we went down to uh, West Virginia, you mm-hmm. know, and just found, found, looked at some maps and, and found some areas and, you know, again, just put boots on the ground and, and scouted for one hard day. And then the season came in and, um, we didn't get on any birds the first day, but then, you know, again, just putting your time in, we went out and, uh, my nephew ended up roosting some birds and, uh, he ended up, I think they, they missed a bird that day. And then we went back in the next day and they heard birds on another hill right beside it. And they're like, do you want to go after the bird we went after yesterday? It was up there gobbling again. So I went in there and I ended up killing that bird and my, uh, my nephew and his buddy, I think they fired six shots and <laughs> they got them, but, uh. <laughs> Yeah, that was, you know, so, you know, we have, you know, had, have had some success, but again, again, it's, um, it wasn't easy. I mean, yeah, you you know, we're doing, looking at Onyx and and we're, we're finding spots we can get into, but, um, that first day I, I, again, I put on close to 15 miles hiking in and just trying to find turkey sign. And, um, you know, I, I saw, you know, turkey sign, but I didn't hear a gobble that first day. And Mm -hmm. when you walk that far, it's like, it's like, man, is there a turkey around here? Do you stay in that spot or do you try somewhere new, you know? And, um. You know, it's it's definitely fun, you know, and yeah, we went to Virginia. Yeah, that was a lot easier. We went um, we went to Virginia last year and we hunted some some private ground down there and yeah. That was uh that was an experience. Yeah. You know, compared to here in Pennsylvania like hunting the hunting the mountains here in Pennsylvania versus hunting down there in the you know, I guess the flat ground we were we were in <laughs> Flatlanders. Su- yeah. We were, we were buddy, in southern Virginia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my buddy Joe, he had like three leases down there that he let us hunt and um, you know, and it was so weird. I, it, there was <clears throat> there was lakes everywhere and we didn't know what we were getting into. Like he didn't tell me where we were able to hunt, you know, never sent me any maps or anything. We just <laughs> showed up at like what time we got there we, like we drove all night. A, we drove all night, got there at like three in the morning and met him in his driveway and he drove us over to this lease and here you go he's like yep you can hunt this lease here and we're like <laughs> okay but we heard birds we heard birds and 
I missed a bird. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you were going to say that or not. I, <laughs> I missed a couple birds last year. <laughs> Here I am ripping on my, my nephew for them missing birds. Yeah. I am. Um, it happens. I it used can to, happen. I, used, I was hunting with a 410 last year, mm. and um, after I missed my second bird, I went back to my 12 gauge. Yeah. <laughs> that was cool, though. That Like, being down there, that experience was pretty cool. Um, Like Brian was saying, like, the lots of lakes with all these fingers. Like, these lakes would have these fingers, you know, branching out into the woods, and, like, You'd be on you'd be on one chunk of ground calling and a bird would answer you on the other side of the the lake. So we you know we were like trying to get around to the other side and by the time you get around you were trying to relocate the bird and um, on top of that too like you know here in the mountains you're standing on a ridge and you call and the bird generally the birds that you hear are generally on the mountain you're on or they're on the opposing you know the other mountain so you know you can really kind of pinpoint where that bird is down there it was flat and like you lots would, of vegetation too yeah and like you would call and then the bird would gobble and you were like i i don't know if it's 50 yards or 300 yards like yeah like i, and, I don't know, and, you and, know and something to add to hunting out of state um being that like we're woods hunters um i haven't carried a decoy with me since i was probably 16 years old right, you know I, right. I could tell you the last time i used one i had this old foam decoy and a bird you know, it looked so fake. I think the turkey, <laughs> the gobbler, like saw it and it just ran away. Thought it was one but, of the Three Mile Island turkeys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I haven't used a decoy since I'm probably 16 years old. Yeah. But down there, I'll tell you what, there was a lot of field also, and those birds in the afternoons they were heading out to those fields. Yeah. And being that we don't, again, I have nothing against killing a turkey out of a field, but mm-hmm. had we had a, a decoy down there, I think we would have killed a turkey. You know, you know, they would have seen the decoy and because they were. They're kind of flocked up too down there. They were, like, yeah. A lot of the like, you know, six to ten birds in a in a, a little group together still in the spring. And so, you know, when you're going out of state, you definitely want to adapt and you don't wanna you don't wanna be, you know, closed mind to how you hunt. Because right. we we should have changed our style. Um we probably should have just went to Walmart and bought a decoy. Yeah. Um because yeah. It, it, you know, we were fighting a losing battle. We're in the woods. You're not gonna call the turkey into the woods when they're out there with six hens yeah. you know what i mean yeah 100 yards out in the woods with, like we've the seen turkey out hens. in the field and it's like we'd set up and try to call we looked like idiots but <laughs> yeah that's just in general though <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you said about adapt the last uh the last out-of-state hunt that i went on was 10 years ago 2013 we went to uh south dakota and we didn't heed the advice of an individual told us, if you're going to go to South Dakota, do not go prior to May. And, you know, our season starts in May, and we wanted an early jump. So we flew out to uh, South Dakota mid-April. We got there the first day. It was in the 50s, and we went to bed, woke up the next morning to 16 inches of snow. <laughs> and it was such a buzzkill because – you know, we left PA, it was 70 degrees, it was beautiful, mm-hmm. and it was like we went right back in time, back to the dead of winter. It was right. depressing. Yeah. I, I didn't even want to get up and go, and uh, glad we did because, you know, those turkeys are used to that. Um, I ended up, uh, I shot a, tur- a gobbler the first morning, like 10 o'clock. We were on a piece of property that there was horses it was an Indian reservation. I can't remember the whole deal, but there was an Indian reservation that had horses on it, and the turkeys had to come down. There was a guy that 
had come through earlier in the morning with a, a tractor dropping hay bales for these horses. And the turkeys had to get on the track of the, the uh, tractor path to be able to maneuver through the snow. And, <laughs> um, you know, it, it was just one of those things where... Hunting turkeys in funnels. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> Pinching them up. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, it ended up, you know, I always thought it'd be cool to shoot a, a Merriam turkey, you know, white white tip tail feathers That's and all I that. Want. I want one of the white tipped ones. Yeah. I, I still have a picture somewhere of me standing snow, you know, above my knees That's with cool turkey. Though. You know, and, and it's one of those things where, like I said, if I if it was totally up to me, my ass would have been in a hotel room till the snow, you know, till I saw right. that, you know, hopefully that the weather was going to get better. But it, it didn't. The whole time yeah. we were there, there was snow on the ground. Mm. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah that's I, I just bring that up because, you know, there there are other other options you know we, we have a great state for turkey hunting we're very blessed but that brings me to the point too that is there anything that you guys want to see changed within uh, the laws and the regulations of the turkey hunting in pennsylvania whether it be sunday hunting whether it be moving the season um so and on and on the contradictory uh, part of that so there's the bad things you want changed but also What's the good, right? What is something that you feel like we're doing right? And whoever wants to take that's more than welcome. We talk about it all the time, but like, you know, a lot of guys say that the northern states are too late. They come in too late. You know, our season doesn't start till May. Um, but I think that is the reason why we still have a good population in this area, yeah. and that's because the birds are are getting a chance to breed. to breed. And, like, I, I, I was guilty of it where there was a time where I was like, you know, our youth season, it's a week prior to our regular season. You go out that day, birds are gobbling everywhere. Like, yeah. it's it's the best day to be in the woods, and it's great that it's the youth day because it ultimately gives the kid the best chance to kill turkey. Um, so, like, when I was younger, I was very guilty of, like, man, I wish they would just move the season two weeks ahead so that way the birds are gobbling and we can, you know, but at the same time, there'd be a lot more turkeys killed. Yep. And, you know, I think the way that it is right now, coming in in May, it's giving, you know, the birds a chance to breed. And, um, you know, it's giving them a chance to maybe cool off just a little bit. And, you know, and we're still killing turkey. So something I, you know, I would like to see it go back to one tag for a little bit, yeah. personally. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's just... I don't know if you guys remember 15 years ago, you know, when I was, when I was in high school, you know, I guess I was longer than maybe 20 years ago now, pushing 20 years. Like it was a blast because you heard Turkey, you know, you, you touched on it earlier up North, you know, we go out at night and you're, you're, you're five miles back in on a mountain road and you give a, an owl hoot and literally on every point you heard two to three gobbles and it's like, Oh, which one am I going to go after tomorrow? You know, it was, there was no issue. You go out now, you don't hear a gobble up there. And, um, you know, so for me, it's, I would like to actually, I don't want to see it get ruined around here. You know, it's, it's still good. And I'm not saying it's going to get ruined by everybody killing two birds, but take somebody out, take out, you know, kill a bird. And if you want to go, you know, keep on hunting, take somebody out that you like. And, you know, I, I'm not against it either. I'm not saying like you shouldn't do it. You know, um, I've, I've killed two birds in a season in Pennsylvania and, you know, I, yeah. I've, I've had the thought, you know, I, I buy two tags just so I can keep on hunting, but um you know i'm not always going to shoot a second turkey you know and that's that's 
probably what I would have to say. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, you you think like, I I think I read an article somewhere that said the reason that they can still give two tags is because by the time that turkey season rolls in, a lot of those gobblers have already bred. So you're not really affecting the population by shooting two longbeards. But at the same time, if you didn't kill that second bird, did it have a chance to live to the next year? Right. Yeah. yeah. So like, I think that I don't think. I think there's some truth to that, but I also think that there's, it's not, you know what I mean? Like if you could shoot two bucks, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. yeah, maybe the bucks already bred the doe, but if I wouldn't have shot that second buck next year, he would have been a three or four year old buck instead of a two year old buck, you know? Yeah. So plus, plus your turkeys can get some age. You know, yeah. people are unaware how long a turkey's lifespan can actually be. There was be. one up in Clearfield recently, a hen they had tagged that was what, 11 or 13 years old. Right, yeah, yeah, they can, yeah, I think it was 13. <laughs> I, I just read about that not too long ago. It's nuts, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, birds, you know, it's not that uncommon for people to shoot birds that are six, seven years old, you know. And that's, I mean, in in the woods, that's wild, mm-hmm. you know. You, you think about the predators yeah. that they have. Yeah. I mean, everything's gunning for them. Oh, no, yeah. I, I, you know. All in all, I think the Pennsylvania Game Commission has actually done a really good job of um, wildlife management, you know, um, for all species. You know, I, you know, there's some, you know, you're, we're losing our grouse and stuff like that. But yeah. um, I wish there was like a bounty on raccoons and, and predators oh, yeah. or something because last year hunting, I mean, I, I saw more raccoons in the woods yeah. than I ever have. And I came upon quite a few nests last year mm-hmm. and, you know, they're not, the eggs weren't hatched. They were they were smashed yeah. smashed yeah so you know I, I definitely think predation is one of the biggest reasons reasons for the decline in the turkey mm-hmm. population and i i think it's kind of everywhere you know i agree i think it's the nest predators is the biggest hit on the turkeys mm-hmm. is you know i don't even think it's i don't even think it's the coyotes i already thought the coyotes were no. doing it and it's i don't personally believe i think they play a part they but... do they you know you can't say that they right. don't kill turkeys yeah. because they do but but they're not killing 30 eggs they're probably not eating you know exactly right. like you you know you the the moment that that hen lays those eggs, I mean, they, with with raccoons and possums and everything else around, they don't stand a chance. Snakes, no. yeah, I mean, they don't stand a chance. So, yeah, there's you know there's some talks of you know some more reintroduction of some more predator animals <coughs> in Pennsylvania, and um, I'm all for to see you know what what benefit that that is to to the woods of of Pennsylvania, but. I got to say, I I just, I I feel, and I'm really curious that it it comes down to the turkeys for me. You know, I, I, you know, like you said, the, the rough grouse, I'm, we're very lucky and we're very blessed on our property for whatever reason. They seem to like it there Mm -hmm. and we have them and, um, it's great. You know, I can shoot a couple year or whatever and I don't get too heavy on killing them because it's one of the things and i just love whenever they scare the shit out of you and you're like (laughs) oh yeah you know and they're just cool they're a cool bird but um it it, where what point do you stop reintroduction of certain things you know like you i think the fisher is a good example right yeah and i i I feel like that was like the elephant in a room there for that second because they're they're around now right i mean i can remember whenever people were like well fisher and that was like kind of wild and i remember the first time i seen one i'm like what Mm -hmm. the hell is that you know seen a few of them now right now yeah it's getting to be a lot more common same thing with i I don't know about you guys but the bobcats we got lots of bobcats yeah yeah. and i don't know you know i i would think like you were saying i think that they would probably be more a predator on like the polyps than than the nest you know no of course if they find a nest but um I think that they, you know, they get wiped pretty good. Uh, I 
I've seen a, a turkey family that uh, is not real far from where we work, and I've seen them all the time. And she, she went from having like 14 to 6, I mean, in a hurry, like mm-hmm. two weeks time frame. Now, luckily, it seems like that those ones have survived, but I don't know what the exact mortality rate is on them, but I know that they, they it's don't. It's not good. It's, Yeah. They don't do very well. No. And uh, it is unfortunate that they have to freaking lay their eggs on the ground. Too bad they're in a tree because we probably wouldn't have to be having this discussion. But Right. Um, yeah, they. I think the Pennsylvania Game Commission does a good job. I agree with where our season comes in for the facts that you mm-hmm. guys uh, stated. What I would like to see would be the Sunday hunting, just personally, because, you know, I'm a busy guy. You know, you guys have kids, you know. You know, I mean, even if you did youth. Right, you yeah. did. You do something. You you set it up so that you you're leaving time to get the guy or the kids in the woods. Right, mm-hmm. kids go Saturday, dad goes Sunday, mom whoever's hunting. Right, I, I I think it's coming personally. I really do. But even if you just did, uh, uh, I don't know, private land something, because there are some states that do some weird mm-hmm. things like that. But something you got to. I feel like, but you know, it's it's to each is their own. Oh so. yeah, and I, I can see both sides on that. You know. Um, we don't need to go into detail about right, it, but right, like right. I can see both both arguments on that, you know, and I'm neither for nor against because I I do see both sides. So yeah, and, and like you know, a guy like myself, I'm able to go hunting every morning of the week, and I don't want to be you know greedy and say like no, they shouldn't be allowed um, right. to hunt Sundays. Right. You know, they're paying for a license. Right. Um, they don't have many opportunities to hunt throughout the year, mm-hmm. so that's where I think guys, you know. Personally, am I going to hunt on Sundays? I might not. You know, I'm going to head to church in the morning. Um, I'm still going to do my daily routine. And if I want to go hunting or, you know, deer hunting, turkey hunting, then I'll go out after church. But, um, you know, the guys that are, you know, don't go to church or, you know, that's not their main priority on a Sunday. Like, why not let them hunt, you know? Right. Um, mm-hmm. And again, I think whenever guys are saying don't, you know, they, they shouldn't be able to hunt. It's just because they're, it's you know most people are greedy they're gonna do whatever benefits them to mm-hmm. the, the best you right know? that's human nature yes and um so that's you know i i hope sunday hunting does come in yeah. you know yeah i think it's a matter of time and like <clears> you said <throat> i feel like just personally and then we'll, we'll we'll move on but um guy doesn't want to go hunting you know i want to sit around watch football drink beer you know do whatever else you're doing and and i get it so then he's not self-conscious of the fact that he could probably be he she could probably be in the woods and they're they're not right because right. it's, it's like that oh, i should be there i should be there and you're not and they just want to say oh well you know now these people that say that the deer need a break the turkeys need a break. okay yeah come on you know yeah, the yeah. coyotes and uh, yeah, they're, uh fishers they're and all that they, they don't forget that it's not you know sundays right. it, it's on too so right um but uh, i i want to touch base on you know what what's the future hold for cluck like what? What are you guys shooting for? What's the goal? Um, is it to expand? Is it to uh, just bring more value to the hunter, right, if you will, or uh, just kind of like what? Do you, what are you guys thinking moving forward? I think I think the goal is to um, get everybody to a point that they want to be with with turkey calling, and like, you know, Brian and I you know, we, we build all the calls for the company and we like it. We like it that way. We like quality. Um, we want everybody to have a good quality mouth call. You see it all the time where you've got these companies that they keep growing and growing and growing and growing and they get to a point where they can't 
you know, they can't maintain quality anymore. And that's something we never want to be at. We're not greedy people. Like we're here to make sure that you as a hunter getting the best quality product that you can have, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And, um, I think the idea is just to just get everybody feeling comfortable with a turkey call, you know what I mean? And that's like why we came out with the three stretches is because we want everybody to feel confident calling, you know, when they're calling turkey. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we've had guys, um, you know, people in the industry to say, you know, like you guys are idiots for carrying, we're we're really carrying 60 calls, you know? So if you know how hard it is to actually maintain 60 calls during busy season, you know, right now what's going on. I mean, our day consists of waking, waking up early. We're, you know, we get our kids on the bus and stuff and we're, we're in the shop from about eight o'clock to five o'clock. And then we go home, spend a few hours with our kids. And, um, Nate usually comes back down about eight 30 at night mm-hmm. and we work till midnight every night. Yeah. And we've been doing that for seven days in a row or seven days a week for the past two months now. Yeah. And, um, the joys of entrepreneurship. Yeah. 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 It, <laughs> and it's, it's great. Like it honestly, it's, it's been an unreal year for us. It's been, um, unexpected, but definitely welcomed. Um, awesome. You know what I mean? Like we're shipping calls across the country. Like what else, what else could you want? And makes you feel good. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's awesome. And we're getting um, feedback, like great feedback, mm-hmm. you know, guys are, um, uh, you know, they're appreciating the quality. They're appreciating that, you know, Brian and I are, are building the calls and, and, you know, they, they can see the quality in it. And, um, and a lot of guys are loving the stretch options because yeah. they're like, they're like, you but, know, their eyes are open to it now, you know, and we're definitely, we're still looking to grow. We're still in the early stages yes. yeah, of, of, for sure. of the, co- you know, of the company and, yep. you know, like we would love to bring on somebody like Jed in the future, you know, like mm-hmm. Jed knows how to build a turkey call. Yep. Um, you know, if we can get a couple, you know, I'm not saying you can't train somebody to, to build it, you know, to make a turkey call because you can, um, but it'll always be in house. Our, our calls will never be. Mm-hmm. outsourced and yeah, somebody else building right. them for us consumer direct exactly yes. well that'll never happen yeah um so you can go look at my my blems that i have on all my calls you know i'm i'm ocd when i'm cutting my, my cuts and if they they don't meet my standard most of yeah. the calls that i'm running are ones that <laughs> that's yeah those are the calls we run <laughs> they're his blems and i look at them and i'm like this isn't a blend. He's like, yes, it is. It's got, look at that. It's right. that bat wing side's a little uneven. I'm like, all right. And I put tape on it and use it for myself. You know what I mean? But that's like, that's the quality that I want to put out there. Um, you know, every call's being stretched on a dial and, um, you know, the, the cuts are very quality looking. Um, we take some extra, extra steps, but we think is helping to keep the tape on the frames better. Um, so it takes us longer to build turkey calls and we're not afraid to admit that. You know, but we're trying to push out really good quality calls. <clears throat> um, yeah, I, I think what you guys do, are doing here is it, it's awesome. And uh, you know, sitting in a shop, I can just I can just feel it. You know, it, it's it's funny how how that works. But you get around people that that believe in the things they're doing, and uh, I, I understand. I know where you're coming from, and I feel like you guys are to the point now in your lives where you know you're not you don't just do shit for yourself anymore, right? You you get more value out of doing things that help others. And, you know, that's included with your business here. So um, before we go, I I do want to do three stories, right? And it's going to be one from each of you guys. And that's going to be memorable turkey hunt. All right. So you got to give me first one that comes to mind, because as soon as I say that, you're probably like, oh, that time I missed that turkey (laughs) at 10 yards. I already gave you mine. All right. I got one. I got one. Let's hear it. So 
I think I I think I was probably 16 and I was hunting with a good buddy. Um we were we were hunting down my family has a, a camp with a, a couple acres and we were always allowed to hunt all the property around it. We were out there, um hunted all morning, heard a couple gobbles, nothing nothing crazy. And it was like <clears throat> probably 10 10:30 in the morning. We're like leaning next to a tree taking a nap like I think uh, I had one of those old gobbler shaker calls and I was reversing it. So it sounded like a goose. Like it was like, Oh, you know, like pulling it the opposite way. We were, we were, we were done. You know what I mean? Right. So we start to walk out. We're walking out, out across this like old strip, strip cut. We get up to the top edge and, and my buddy AJ, he pulls out a call. He's like, this is old crusty. That's what he called it. He's like, this is old crusty that we're going to try this one last call. And it was the nastiest sounding pot call that I've ever heard. Like, I don't think it sounded anything like a turkey. And he yelped on that thing three times, and a bird answered right where I was just goosing that <laughs> that gobble call. And we're like, are you kidding? Like, we kind of looked at each other like, was is this for real, you know? And it was one of them turkeys that, like, started just gobbling. Like, he was looking for us. You know what I mean? We didn't even make another call, and he was, like, running, gobbling at us, trying to get us to answer him. We jumped down in the weeds and we're sitting in the weeds and I got the gun up and I don't think we even made another call. And this gobbler is running across the field through these high weeds and he stepped up at 30 yards and I shot it. And we were like, what just happened? You know, like old Krusty came through with that, that call, but I can remember that. Yeah. That was, that's the first one that popped into my mind. Yeah. That, that's a really good one. Um, I, uh, I'll touch on one of my stories real quick. Um, we were we were out and about being young and dumb and out drinking all night you know as 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 a young man will and uh i had sobered up you know earlier in the night and um took a little nap in the truck or whatever and my buddies are you know they're inebriated if you will and uh it's time to go home so um we go home and uh we got home and and my friends are all passing out and they're like where are you going i said i'm going turkey hunting what do you mean you're going turkey hunting? You've been, you know, you were, you were up and I said, yeah, well, I'm ready to go, you know? So I got up in the woods and I get against the tree and all excited, you know, I'm calling and I got a bird to answer me. Well, then that was it done. Right. Like someone hit a light switch. Maybe it was cause I didn't know what the hell I was doing or, you know, that's just sometimes how it goes. So, well, I'm just going to take a nap now. Right. I'm too tired to walk around. So I close my eyes. And I wake up and there's three turkeys right there. I mean, they're right in front of me, right? And I, I want to pull the gun up and, you know, they seen me immediately. But it just goes to show you sometimes, you know, and this was three or four hours after. Yeah. I mean, I was probably yeah. out for a while. <laughs> but, hey, you can have a lot of fun in the woods whether you're killing them or not. That's right. So, do you want to add any stories, Jed? Man, I'm trying to think. There's so many <laughs> good memories right, that you have sure. that you – that's what I'm trying to think in my head. Like the best one, the best mm-hmm. story I can. It's, it's, I it's really hard. It's really it hard. Is. Sometimes the but, worst story is the one that you remember. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's the misses. Yeah. Right. Yep. yep. I'd have to the say haunting. for me, um, I, I used to go to Alabama with uh, my dad. We'd go for probably five, six years in a row. We went and <clears throat> the one year we went to a, uh, a different, you know, state game lands and we, walked up this old firebreak road and we got to where it sort of cleared off and 
there's this big, huge, steep mountain. And <clears throat> I put out a couple calls, and I could just barely hear a gobble. And I was like, am I hearing things? And my dad <clears throat> looked over at him, and he's he kind of had that look like he heard something too. And I said, did you hear something? He said, yeah. He said, I think it's way up on top of that hill. And <clears throat> when I'm telling you, before we went to Alabama, you hear Alabama, and I'm thinking swamplands and all right, this. You right. know, a lot of people don't realize how mountainous they have, Alabama they have is mountain. in northern right. Alabama. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So um, <clears throat> I said, you know, that's our only option. That's what we both thought we heard one. So we start trekking up, and we got to about halfway from the top, and <clears throat> the bird gobbled on his own, and he was up on top of a point, and there was a saddle. And I was like, we got to just set up here because it was early in their season. There was no leaves on the tree. You could see forever. Mm-hmm. And uh, I never in a million years thought that anything was going to work. You know, we sat down. When you were sitting, like, you had to keep from sliding down the hill. That's how steep it was. And that turkey came from a very long way. And uh, it ended up that my dad was able to shoot it. And after he shot it, he hooped and hollered. It was like, <laughs> I don't know what it was. I think it was just the fact that it was such a, it was such a deep mountain bird. You right. know, like you knew that that turkey was a mountain bird. Mm-hmm. Probably, you know, very seldom sees a, a human being. Um, so the, the funniest part of it, though, is after he shoots, he starts hooping and hollering. And he takes off running because it's flopping down the hill. And he grabs that turkey, and, you know, most guys, like, pick the turkey up, you know, by its neck or whatever. Well, it still has some life in it. And, like, (laughs) he's trying to figure out what to do. And I guess the first thing that came to his mind was he was going to give it an old haymaker. (laughs) You know, I'm like, Dad, you don't, you know, you don't do that. And, like I said, he was never a big turkey hunter until, you know, I got him into it. So. I just picture your dad doing that. Yeah, it was it was definitely <laughs> memorable and um, some slang words coming out of his mouth. Yeah, he let some uh, he let some frustration out on that poor turkey. Yeah, <laughs> it was funny. it was a really good hunt. Yeah, that's that's it, man. That's that's why we do it, right? We we do it because of these memories these these memories we get and they're ingrained with us forever. And like we were just saying, you have all the great memories and sometimes they're hard to think on, but you think back to the misses. Right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, times... mean, I can tell you about more misses than anything because right. they're, they're hilarious. Right. Yeah. Right. And you, you know, you, that's that's the beauty in it all, right? We were saying, don't be afraid to mess up. You know, get out there, try it. If you don't like it, there's plenty of other things you can hunt other than mm-hmm. turkeys. But also, you know, guys like you, you're you guys are pretty open to somebody messaging you or getting a hold of you, right? And saying, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, I need a hand. Or, you know, some people just don't know what the hell they're doing and they're just afraid. That's all it is. You know, I have so many people reach out to me and say, hey, I want to butcher my deer, but I don't know what I'm doing. No problem. Right. I can help you. Mm -hmm. Or even like cooking a turkey. You wouldn't believe how many guys are like, well, what do you do with it after you kill it? Well, you eat it, you know, like and they're good. Yeah, you know, so it's really good that you guys are doing what you're doing here, not just for the business, but the aspect of of the customer service and i don't just mean that from buying something from you right customer service comes with more than that it's that you guys are local outdoorsmen and you're okay with people reaching out and saying hey i I could just use a hand or hey can i swing by and 
you can hear me call and, and make fun of me or whatever, and you can help me change this or that. So yeah, we get guys send us sound files all the time. Yeah, you know, you know, we went on to the NWTF show this year, and um, it was our first year there. And my most memorable moment down there was talking to two guys that have never turkey hunted ever. You know, and I, you know, Nate's running the booth like a madman. I'm just over there hanging out. <laughs> I, t- I talked to these two, they're two older guys, um, from Tennessee. And, um, I literally talked to them for a half an hour about everything from like start to finish. You know, I, I was giving them as much information. They've never turkey hunted and they wanted to start trying it. And, you know, that's, that was, you know, I, I've told numerous people now, like that was my, the best moment I had down there, you know, just to be able to help those two guys out. And I hope they, they remember me and when they kill a turkey and mm-hmm. send me a picture this year. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure they will. You know, that's that's how you leave an impression on people. And that's also the best um, advertisement that there is, you know. Yeah. Uh, hey, I talk to these guys, and they're just good dudes. You know, you should get a hold of them, right? And that's that, that goes a long way. The word of well, mouth is it it's really very, very strong. It's very it, strong. You know, that's something I talked to Nate about before, too. Um, you know, we're fortunate. Like, we, you know, we've killed turkey. I, I'm – I. I don't want to speak for you two, but I'm sure you have. But from the time we've been 12, there's probably not a year we've ever gone without killing a turkey, you know. Um, and you see guys sometimes, I, you know, I keep on saying, you guys probably think I'm like a Facebook junkie, you know, with all these comments. But um, you, you Someone's see got to do the advertising. <laughs> right? yeah. But you see guys, you know, they're on there and they're saying, you know, I've been hunting for 20 years and I've never killed a turkey before. And I'm just like, man, I would love to take that guy hunting, you know. And yeah. I, I've told Nate before, like, I think we ought to – throw something out there you know if you hunted for five years or more you know put your name in a pull and we're gonna pull a name and hopefully we don't get murdered in, in the you know the, <laughs> some dudes yes. wearing your skin around yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know hopefully yeah hopefully we don't get mur- murdered in the act but i would love to you know just seriously pull a guy's name and if he knows a spot you know i'm not gonna I hate to sound rude but i'm not gonna take people to my public land spots mm-hmm. because with their kids there Take yeah, we take our kids and, and things like that. But. Yeah, but for sure, and and you know, take them out and show them what we know, and you know, hopefully we can, we you know, if it's within an hour or two of driving distance, and, and help somebody out to harvest their first turkey, and yeah, you know, and that's yep. that's the kind of things like I you know I look at and how I you know want to give back to people. Yeah, that that speaks volumes to, like you said again, just what you guys are doing here because that's that's why you're there, you know. Just speaking to people out there, that's why they're in this business. You know, they're 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 bringing value. It's not just, hey, we we might make a buck, right? We all have to make a living, and that's mm-hmm. just the way it is. But at the same time, there's a way to make a living the right way. And uh, yeah, I, I think you guys are doing great. I think you're going to do great things, and everything you have here is really nice. And um, I, I kind of want to wrap it up here, but before we go, I want you guys to let everybody know where they can find you, right? How they can get a hold of you, and then also. You know, how can they find your calls and buy them? Go ahead, Nate. You are uh, you think I'm the marketing guy because I'm on Facebook. But Nate, <laughs> Nate's actually, he's the uh, he's the uh, media guy. He's a lot better at it than me. So, you know, we have a website, Um, You can get on there. It's, you know, nice website. Shows everything. You know, all the calls, box calls, pot calls, everything like that. Or um, some leather pouches. Yeah, we got leather. We got leather call cases, uh, leather turkey totes. And, um, you know, social media, Facebook, Instagram, uh, TikTok, you know, is there, is there anything I'm missing? Uh, did you say Instagram? Yeah, yeah. I did. TikTok, In- we do a lot on TikTok. You know, we do a lot of, you know, short videos and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, how-to yeah. videos on there. Yeah. And 
we're gonna have more stuff this year on you know, YouTube. YouTube. We do have a YouTube channel that we're we're working on growing, and um, you know, for next season, we're hoping to have a ton of content on there for guys. For sure. But for right now, if you you know you wanted to see you know learn how to do something, learn how to purr on a mouth call, learn how to call from your diaphragm, we have thrown out some short videos on our TikTok. Yep. You can email us, customcalls at gmail .com. Um, You can call us, message us. You know, we're we're willing to talk to anybody. So. Um, yeah, yeah. I wanted to add, you guys have more than uh, we didn't touch on any of the other calls, but there's slate calls, right? There's box yeah. calls, um, so it's not just not just uh, mouth calls, right? Yep. So um, there's lots of stuff on the website. You guys need to get on there. You need to check them out. Check them out here at Cluck Custom Calls. Uh, they're real local to me. Highly, highly, strongly suggest that you get in and and get a hold of these guys and and give them a shot, give them a go because uh, they make some really nice stuff. So I thank you guys. A lot. Yeah, thank for, you. Yeah, thank you. We yeah, appreciate thanks. it. Absolutely. Everything. I hope you guys really enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. And uh, what I tell everybody is usually um, we'll check in with you here towards the end of the year, maybe fall turkey, or maybe going into next year into spring and uh, see see how how things went and and how the hunting season was. Awesome. So, absolutely. It was fun. Okay. You've made it to the end of another Keystone Chronicles podcast episode. I really hope that you guys enjoyed this as much as I did. I think that these guys are great. I think that what they stand for and what they're going for over there is exactly what you should be looking for if you're looking to support a local call company that is making some badass shit. So with that being said, as I end every episode, please subscribe, comment, like. It helps the show. Guys, I greatly appreciate the, the support, and just, just keep tuning in, man. I love it. See you soon.